coming back into awareness of the stillness of the body after whatever activity we've been involved in during the work period. Noticing how the body is now. If there's a sense of settledness, calm, or if the energy is still in motion. Just arriving in the body as it is. We might notice the quality of the breath in whatever way we feel it. whether it's coming from deep within the belly, or if it's shallower, coming from the top of the torso. If it's slower, or if it's faster, If the breath feels smooth or is a little jagged, noticing how each breath can change. Not quite like the last breath. Maybe noticing other areas of sensation within the body. We may begin at this point in the retreat as we settle in and get more quiet to become more aware of what we call the feeling tone of experience. This is a whole layer of our experience that's actually operative in every single moment that we're awake, every moment that we're conscious. The old brain is responding to all of the incoming stimulus with some sense of its pleasantness or unpleasantness or neutrality. This is actually going on all the time. But we're not always aware of it.
Every moment the brain is registering some degree of Vedana. I often think of this as the Vedanometer. I have an image of an old-fashioned speedometer, the meter. And over at one end of the meter is the most intense pleasure that we're capable of feeling. And over at the other end is the most intense pain that we're capable of feeling. And in between the two, there's a continuum of pleasant feeling that becomes more subtle until it fades away, becomes neutral, then begins to come slightly unpleasant and increasingly unpleasant. So in any given moment, the the Vedanometer is registering some degree of feeling, feeling tone on the spectrum. And this is something that we can become aware of, something that it's actually very helpful to become aware of and very useful to learn to be mindful of because to a large extent, the Vedanometer drives our lives. Whether it's in the very microscopic level of just noticing a moment of physical sensation, or on the, most, or on the much larger macro level of what we do in our lives. So just in this moment, we can notice what's the reading on the Vedanometer right now. more on the pleasant side or more on the unpleasant side or somewhere in the middle where there's not a particular sense of pleasantness or unpleasantness neutral feeling If we're aware, we can see how the sense of the feeling tone of the moment can change very quickly. Almost as soon as we've noticed it, it can flip from one side to the other. That experience in the body that we call pain and put this big label on. When we look closely, we might see that it's actually made up of many, many moments of different feelings. Within the pain, that sense of unpleasantness at times is stronger, at times is weaker, at times disappears, and there's just neutral feeling. At times, perhaps, our relationship shifts to it, and it actually is an experience that's pleasant. So when we look carefully and quietly, we may notice the true nature of feeling, of Vedana. And we may begin to see our relationship to these different feelings. How is this moment right now? And is it okay? Is this moment okay the way that it is?
This is a question that we need to answer very honestly, with real sincerity. Is this moment okay, just as it is? Not with any agenda for it to be okay, or that we somehow need to notice it in a way that will make it feel okay, but just to recognize the honest answer to that question. So if this moment does feel okay, just as it is, simply to recognize that. If it doesn't feel okay, just as it is, simply to recognize that. Whichever it is, it's not personal. It's all dependent on causes and conditions And our job as yogis is simply to notice. It's tremendously liberating to be able to really recognize. There's the feeling in this moment that I want something else. There's the feeling that this moment is not okay. And also to recognize those moments when there's a different relationship when it feels like we are at ease with things just as they are. And there's that sense of okayness. We can start to tune into these different ways of relating to the moment's experience with less attachment, with less personal involvement, not taking it all so personally. It can happen that as we ask ourselves this question of, is it okay, how things are right now, that there may be some resistance that arises, the feeling that we can't really look at that question in the face, that it's too painful to see that it's not okay, or that it makes us feel too bad about ourselves if it's not okay. So if that kind of resistance arises as we feel our way into the moment, this is simply another experience arising to be known. Hmm, resistance, fear, whatever it is that gets in the way of us really opening to the quality of the moment, these are just more impersonal experiences. And it's precisely through knowing them that we will arrive more in the present and be able to let go more and more into things just as they are. The truth of the craving of the mind, the natural deeply conditioning, wanting for things to be different, is something for us to be known, something for us to recognize come to understand and to feel as fully as possible. So there's no need to be afraid of this or to shy away from this. It's simply causes and conditions playing out according to their nature.
Are there any questions this morning about the practice? Yeah, way in the back. So, how to relax into physical pain? Is that yeah. the question? So, working with physical discomfort or pain, depending on where it falls on the, the spectrum, um, is something that we all uh, face in retreat. You know, no matter. Uh, how young, how healthy, how flexible, you know, how great of a yoga practice we might have outside retreat. We come here and we ask the body to do, uh, to, to go through the day in this way. That's really very unnatural, you know, all of the sitting, all of the slow moving. That's really not what the human body was designed for. So we, we kind of come up against this problem right from the start that we're asking the body to do something that it's, it's just generally not designed for. And so there will be discomfort to some degree or another. And for some of us, there'll be quite a lot of discomfort, especially those of us that are dealing with some kind of chronic pain, illness, injury. Um, So just to to normalize that, that that is a a normal part of retreat. And none of us are exempt from that. There will be physical suffering in retreat. So then the the question becomes, well, how, how do we work with that? What do we do with that? And it's, it's important to keep remembering that our only job here is to be aware. That's our only job here, is to be aware. That's our only job here, is to be aware. <laughs> it's to just notice what's happening. You know, it's so simple um, that it's difficult because there is this deep conditioning that whenever we feel unpleasantness, immediately there's the response that we have to do something about it. You know, there's that sense that it's not okay and we have to do something about it. And again, that conditioning is there for very you know, compelling reasons. There's a reason why we respond in that way. But that's just another thing to notice. The feeling that it's not okay. The feeling that we need to do something about it. Uh, if we have some sense that we have to relax into it, that's just another aspect of that feeling like we have to do something about it. All we have to do is be aware. If there's physical unpleasantness, we notice the sensations, if that's what's apparent. We notice the unpleasantness, if that's what's apparent. We notice the knowing of it, if that's what's apparent. We notice the disliking of it, if that's what's apparent. We notice anything that comes up in the mind, thoughts telling us we have to do something about it, if that's what's apparent. (laughs) So whatever comes up around that, our only job is just simply to notice it. If we hate it, we just notice that. (laughs) We don't actually have to do anything with that. Which the the more that we start to get this and to to be able to rest in this place of, oh, I don't necessarily have to do anything about this. It's incredibly liberating, you know, to see that, that, uh, you know, really tremendous uh, aversion, (laughs) you know, hatred, fear, you know, whatever it is in relation to unpleasant experiences can come up and 
that can be okay. We can just be with that. It doesn't have to take possession of us. It doesn't have to take us over. Uh, that's the tremendously uh, liberating understanding that comes out of the practice. So in, in any of these moments that we're wondering, okay, X is happening in my practice, you know, whether it's beautiful or horrible or boring, whatever it might be, what should I do about it? The answer is always notice it, <laughs> be aware of it. Makes our job very easy. Yeah, in the back over here. <laughs> That's going away anyway, right? <laughs> there was a teacher that had a great quote. He said, the wisdom lies not in letting things go, but in realizing that they're going anyway, right? <laughs> Our sense that we're really in control of it in some ways is just delusion, actually. Um, so again, you know, if we have that thought come in that we need to let it go, we don't need to let it go. And that, that language, that way of languaging that we talk about is actually, it's a little, it can be a little bit confusing or a little bit deceptive. It's more a description of the process that, that just happens organically. It's not that we need to do anything to, to let go of an experience, to dissipate it. Uh, or as we all see, that we, that we can necessarily do anything to dissipate it. But it's just, again, to, to be aware. You know, what is happening with this experience? Now it's here. Now it's gone. Now there's a feeling that I need to let it go. That's a thought. Notice that. So it's just to notice what's coming up in the mind. And, you know, we talk a lot about agendas. And there can be big agendas, like, you know, I've got to go on, you know, the three-month retreat this year so I can get enlightened. That's kind of a big agenda that can come up. But we see also all these little micro-agendas, you know. Like there's something unpleasant or not okay with the present moment, and we've got somehow we've got to do something about it. This can get really, really subtle. So we start to pick up on this tendency of the mind. So what I'm trying to, to, what we're trying to point to is that tendency of the mind in and of itself is this manifestation of craving that keeps us restless, keeps us dissatisfied. So that in and of itself is really, a really important aspect of experience to tune into. You know, again, it's just another impersonal phenomena, more of our conditioning, seeing how there is, there's, there's this deeply rooted tendency to, to feel like we have to do something about experience, that we have to make it better somehow, whether it's letting go of it or replacing it with something more pleasant or, or whatever it might be. Watch that tendency of the mind. It's, it's just another thing that's happening in reality. We don't have to buy into that story that we need to fix it. We can just let things be as they are. And the more that we get that, the freer we become. So, yeah. walking or just like moving around in daily life even though like sometimes I guess we would say maybe we're in a trance but we are aware that something's going on because we're going from one place to another for example so there's some sort of awareness there at least or maybe that's my question and like for example where are there like different levels of awareness like 
maybe humans have like some sort of awareness versus like animals like acting. And I don't know if, if that's if that makes sense. Yeah, so it's about, the question's about are there different types of awareness? It seems like the quality of awareness is different at different times. So out in our lives, we're just kind of moving around on autopilot. Obviously, there's some awareness there because we, you know, get to wherever we're going or we do whatever we're doing. Uh, although certainly we can have the experience that we, we get to wherever we're going or we do whatever we're doing and then we have no idea how we arrive there. <laughs> Uh, as opposed to the awareness that we have here that can feel much more present, much more uh, connected. So there can seem like there's different qualities of awareness. And this kind of gets into the arena of uh, the Abhidhamma, the Buddhist psychology, which describes all of this in you know, excruciating detail. <laughs> and some of us are kind of interested in this aspect of the teachings, um, some of us not. Um, if you're, if you're interested in this, you can do a little bit more study on the subtleties. But for, for the purposes of being here on retreat, it's, it's just really to see how it is for you. So if that's what you're noticing, that the quality of awareness seems different at different times, get familiar with that. The, the basic uh, description of it is that you know, awareness is just that knowing faculty. It's just simply knowing what's happening right now. But that it comes in a posse. <laughs> So awareness at any given moment can be accompanied by all sorts of, of different wholesome or unwholesome factors that give it a different kind of subjective quality. Sometimes it feels more concentrated, sometimes more diffuse, sometimes it's more general, sometimes it's more penetrating. So it's just to, to notice those different qualities of awareness and how it, it is for you. Yeah. behind her. Oh, was there another question over here? No. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how to phrase that as a question, um, but it was also connected to the sitting yesterday about meta. Like someone brought up, you know, current conditions, and then the, the you know the instruction to just focus on the feeling. But at some point, for me, I don't believe that that's enough. And. Yeah, and no, I think that's very clear. So, you know, we come to the practice and we talk about, you know, just settling into the moment, being with things as they are, um, let it be okay that things aren't okay. And that um, there, there was some, some notes that came in around this too, like uh, 
aren't you, aren't you just teaching passivity? <laughs> you know, why shouldn't we just throw in the towel and lay down and let everybody walk all over us? And this is a, um, a critique of the teachings uh, that actually has been going on since the time of the Buddha. People would come to the Buddha too and kind of chide him for his message that it was just this, this teaching of passivity and non-involvement in the world. Um, but that's a little bit of a, of a misunderstanding of the message. So it's not at all um, that we shouldn't be active in the world and we shouldn't be working to uh, dissipate as much suffering as possible to, to improve uh, as met conditions as much as possible. It's not that at all. In fact, um, you know, the teachings on loving kindness say that uh, if we just sit and cultivate loving kindness, the, the quality of heart of loving kindness, as beneficial as that is, and then we don't put it into action, that's really an impotent form of, of metta. That's not genuine loving kindness. Genuine loving kindness is imbued with this quality of compassion, which is a really strong uh, sense of urgency to address suffering in the world. So there's, there's different facets of the path. And we come here and we emphasize more of the contemplative aspect. But then very much the idea, um, you know, if we look at the totality of the Eightfold Path with all the teachings on, on right action and right speech and, and compassionate activity in the world, is very much that we then go out and we uh, transform what we've, what we've learned here and what we've, how we've grown here into effective and, and compassionate action in the world. So the, the invitation is not to um, abandon craving and then become completely passive, but to abandon craving and let it be replaced by other more wholesome motivations. And this can be a little hard to get. I remember um, one of the first uh, courses on, on meditation that I took, somebody asking the teacher this very, you know, very similar question, you know, why don't we just you know, lay down and give up? <laughs> if we abandon craving, then you know, what's, what is there to, to drive us in our lives? And I found, I found the teacher's answer at the time um, mystifying because it just wasn't something I could relate to yet. But he said, you know, the more that we become disillusioned and disenchanted with, with craving, with attachment, with aversion, with delusion, as the, the, the driving forces for what we do in life, the more space there is, the more opportunity there is for other motivations to come in. To, to, to begin to act more out of kindness, out of compassion, out of generosity, out of letting go. So it's not that we stop acting. It's not that we stop recognizing what needs to be addressed in the world, but that we come at it from a very different place, or we come at it from a more and more different place as we, uh, as we grow in the practice, as we begin to see that when we address a situation from a place of craving or aversion, the trajectory of it tends to be in a certain direction when we address that situation from a place of compassion, from a place of equanimity, there's a different trajectory. It makes a big difference. So just in a, in a small way, we can see this in our lives, just in, you know, say, having a difficult conversation with somebody. You know, we can see when we go back out into the world after having been quiet here and we pay attention, we can see that if we approach that interaction from a place of really being caught up and, you know, I've got to prove I'm right and they're wrong and this and that and, and a lot of reactivity, that that conversation is going to go a certain way. Whereas if we're able to, to drop a little bit more into that sense of, of, of caring, of compassion, of equanimity that we've cultivated, the conversation can go in a very different direction. So it's, it's not about not acting, it's about transforming our motivation, transforming our intention. That speak a little bit, yeah. It's it's a good it's a good point because it is, 
You know, like I said, when I first heard this teaching, I was kind of mystified because I didn't go through my life acting from a place of kindness and compassion and generosity. I, I didn't even really know what that might feel like. It was even hard to imagine. But, but little by little, um, as I pay attention, I come to see that it really is true, that, that motivation really does make a difference. And it's actually, this can be a great source of motivation in our practice, you know, to, to be able to purify our intention so that we can contribute more and we can be more effective in the world. So we have some announcements today. Uh, one is about the books. So it, as it turns out, we don't didn't actually have enough of, of the books for everybody to get one. So if you took two books, please return one. Uh, if you took a book and you find that either you've kind of been through it and you're, you're done with it or you're not, you're not really using it, if you could just return it to the shelf by the bulletin board and somebody else can have a turn with it. And um, also we'll be putting out some kind of practice cheat sheets, which aren't a full book, but they're kind of a long page of uh, just some short reflections, uh, short teachings on the practice that you may find helpful. Uh, another uh, thing that we want to mention again, I know many of you have seen the, the notice on the board or heard the announcement before in the room here that um, there's an opportunity to, to really practice in a very immediate and meaningful way with uh, the first precept that we're chanting every morning. And this is through really being uh, meticulous in our avoidance of scented products. So this, this is not just an abstract request that we're making, that there are some of our fellow yogis here that are really sensitive to, to the chemical stub, substances and scents. So even if they're naturally derived, they can still just have chemical, chemical substances in them that trigger a very real physiological response. So to really be uh, meticulous about this, this is a, it's a beautiful way to practice knowing that we're really supporting our fellow yogis here in a real way. And, and as probably was said, you know, sometimes if we use a product that has like maybe a, a mild scent in it, uh, we're not always aware of it. We stop picking up on it. So uh, one of the things that we can do here that we probably can't do anywhere else is you can walk into the office and ask a staff person if you're smelly. <laughs> and they can let you know if maybe there's, you know, maybe there's something lingering that, that we can cut out. And of course, in the yogi needs closet here, um, there's, we have a full... Uh, sweet, full complement of unscented uh, personal care products that uh, you can use that you don't have to worry about. And then also today we're beginning, as you may have noticed, the the one-on-one discussions, one-on-one practice discussions. And we want to ask you to please be uh, prompt and on time for your allotted time. Maybe come a couple minutes early and you can just wait outside uh, the door of the room um, until it's your time to go in. Um, we try to keep on time, but sometimes we do fall behind, just depending on how things are going. So you, you may find that that waiting for the interview time <laughs> is really excellent practice time. It's a chance to see all sorts of things about how the mind anticipates an, an intense discussion. And then also uh, be mindful of your time in the interviews. Uh, you know, realize that there, we do have a lot of you to see. So uh, please try to, to, to limit your questions and comments to, to the most important things. We want to uh, give you support, but we don't have time for a very long discussion with each of you, unfortunately. Um, and you can just come 
uh, right in after the person behind you has come out. So sometimes we actually do end a little early. If you see the door is open or if you see somebody come out from the room before your time, you can just go right in. You don't have to wait for us to call you in. Um, Tara is going to be sitting in on Kamala's interviews today. For those of you that are okay with that, we really appreciate it. It's a really valuable part of the, the training process. But if you're not okay with that, that's also totally fine. If you prefer to just have privacy with Kamala, then it's you don't need to have any inhibitions about just asking the, the Tara step out for your discussion. And Tara will be doing sign-up interviews again today. And uh, now that we've started the, the one-on-one discussions, we're asking that you not sign up for a one-on-one discussion with her if you're already scheduled to see one of us. So just one one-on-one discussion per day. And then just uh, as a general note, uh, you may be feeling, and we're definitely feeling from the energy of the group here, that uh, you know, the, you're really settling in, things are getting quiet, we're a few days into the retreat now, and this tends to be the, the sweet spot in the retreat, where there's really a lot of momentum of mindfulness, concentration, probably more than you realize. So if you haven't already, to, to begin to, or to continue to bring more and more continuity to the day, to where really we have this attitude that, that every moment is practice. You know, we come to the hall and do the formal sitting at times, at times we go and we do the formal walking, other times we're, we're eating or we're in the bathroom or in our rooms. Um, but really every moment of the day is an opportunity to be present and to be aware. So, so not to think about the day in terms of, well, there's meditation periods and then there's breaks. <laughs> there are no breaks. <laughs> um, you might want to, you know, if, you've, if your habit has been to get up from the sitting and then to go off and go to the bathroom or go to your room or have a cup of tea, you might think about taking a chunk of time, like maybe here in the morning where we get up from the sitting and we really just go straight to the walking, walk the whole walking period come back to the next sitting. This is really uh, useful for building the, the momentum of the practice. Really, it's the time now to attend to, to continuity. It's much more helpful, as, as we've been saying, to, to make less effort so that we don't get exhausted, but really focus on the continuity of effort. And uh, we hope that today will be a very valuable and mindful and insightful day for all of you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.